0: Supersonic. Super Sonic. Super Sonic. Supersonic. Super Sonic. Supersonic. Supersonic. Super Sonic. Super Sonic. Supersonic.
1: Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks. And tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform, helping operators grow, ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better.
0: Hey there. My name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionize the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit skeptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labor and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through Vita Mojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen, making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with Vita Mojo has transformed Formed. I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at Vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic
1: hospitality event planners and venues listen up this is for you are you tired of hassle and inefficiency when it comes to event planning especially around pre-ordering food and drinks let me introduce you to my friends at creventa.com your digital solution to simplify and streamline all of your events with creventa you can minimize admin time maximize cost efficiency and optimize all of your revenue streams Customers are delighted with Creventa when they use it. A great example of that is the head of meeting and events at Malmaison and Hotel Duvan who said, Creventa saves us days in planning and event execution. The new allergen function gives guests peace of mind. My team wouldn't be without it. Whether it's a party, corporate event, award ceremony, or wedding, Creventa is here to make your life in events simpler. Say goodbye to wasted time, money, staffing costs, and food waste. With Creventa, you can save up to 18% on food waste alone. Event planners and venues don't let event planning be a headache. Visit creventa.com today and experience the future of seamless event management. Hello and a very happy Easter Sunday, as it is when I'm recording, from Brighton. And I've got some apologies to make today. If you're not a lover of Brighton (laughs) and you're not a lover of gin, then this might not be the episode for you. But... I've lived in Brighton now for nearly 10 years, I consider myself a local now, apart from the accent, and I feel personally it's the best place in the world to live. There's always something great going on, it's tagline for the local area, and the promotion of Brighton is never normal, and it never, never is. Today I have got one of the legends of Brighton on the podcast, and it is Kathy Keaton, and I almost get into a... Candy Staten, Candy Staten thing But it's Cathy Caton Who is the founder and and Lead Cheese, if you can be Of Brighton Gin I've been in love with Brighton Gin Since the first time I clapped eyes on it And I just thought What a great idea The great thing about Brighton Gin is that it really came when small batch gin was in its infancy. So it really is one of the OGs. And we talk about it from a marketing point of view as well in terms of it's just like a quadruple or quintuple threat when it comes to looking at the branding, the ticketing, the tone of voice, the wax seal on top, the flavour of the gin, how well it's grown, how well it's positioned, the colour that they use. From a marketing and branding standpoint, it is an absolute masterclass and the greatest thing to hear about is that hardly any real professionals were involved and it was bootstrapping like you couldn't believe and it still is. Only seven staff members strong, it's still manually getting the gin all sorted, getting into the bottles, getting the wax seal done and Kathy's even roped her mum in to help her and Cathy says that the bottles are actually looking too perfect, so she might want to loosen up the quality control a little bit. But with all great things, it really just came from a passion, and I think you'll really enjoy Kathy's story. So sorry it's a little bit lovey, darling, on the Brighton side, because we just love being here. But hopefully it'll give you the insight into why we love it so much. And also, I'd really welcome any listeners down to experience Brighton if you haven't been for a while or you haven't been at all. Also, get down for the Brighton Fringe. It's starting on the 5th of May and there's about 700, 800 shows from, you know, a couple of quid through to 20-odd quid, whatever it is. But do go to brightonfringe.org and you'd have many, many more reasons to come down and love Brighton. Oh, last thing, this episode is dedicated to the great Leslie McElroy, who is the biggest gin fan that I know. (laughs) So it gives me the most beautifully botanical pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, who is Cathy Caton, founder and managing director of Brighton Gym. Hello.
2: What an absolute honour to be uh, to be invited. Thank you so <laughs> much for letting me come and uh, lower the tone of your magnificent
1: <laughs> podcast. No, it's, it's been a long time to, to, to get you on. Like, I know how busy you are, and like we kept bumping into each other at the hole in the wall, and all the rest of it was like, oh, we must do this. And then it, it never quite happened. So thanks so much for sparing the time. I know it's, I can only imagine, I can't know, I can only imagine how busy you are.
2: Well, I can I can never remember the full adage about the the thing about, you know, being a busy fool, but I think I definitely fall into the busy fool category. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, there's a lot of heat and light at the moment.
1: There's lots on. And then, really cool uh, that you're in an actual proper radio studio today as well, broadcasting. So, well,
2: you know, you've got to chuck everything uh, at it, it. I know,
1: I know. Well, just before we go into to, to Brighton Gin, then t- tell us about that. Because you, you you do a lot on radio and radio reverb and, and BBC and all these kind of things. That's really interesting to me. So, yeah, what what's going on there?
2: Oh, do you know, radio has just been an absolute passion for for so many years when i first moved to brighton oh, 23 years ago <laughs> yeah. something like that um I uh, my first job that, that that I got actually was playing records on the end of the pier. I was a pier DJ, and DJ yeah. used there used to be like a little closed um, radio station on the on the pier. Uh, I started in February, so I'm sure you can imagine it was basically just hardcore alcoholics and chip wrappers and seagulls and me playing these records with terrible cheesy links in between them at at the end of the pier. But it was my first radio job, so so to speak. And at the time, I was trying very hard to be a DJ like mixing DJ which I am terrible I can mm. play the drums but I cannot mix a mix a record really to save my life but um, but I've always I've always loved it and I uh, just think that there's a real magic power to radio I love how you can be you know, I don't know, concentrating on the washing up, and then suddenly find that you've stopped because you're listening to something on the on the radio. And as Douglas Adams would say, you know, the the pictures are better on the radio. So we have to use our imaginations and and things. So yeah, I I absolutely I, I love it.
1: And what are you doing now then? What, have you got some regular DJ slots and things like that? Yeah.
2: So actually, I do a I do a, a weekly show for BBC Sussex and BBC Surrey. And that goes out as a podcast on BBC Sounds as well, uh, which is all things LGBTQ plus in and around Sussex and Surrey, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the many reasons why I love doing that is because it's such a different hat that that I wear to my to my day job, which I think is a very, very healthy thing. And uh, also it just gives me the opportunity to meet all sorts of incredible people from from around the area and ask them all sorts of questions that I would never be I'd be so shy to do that if I met them in in person but you know when you're doing it on the radio it's my job to ask them questions and get the best out of them and everyone's got a story to tell so yes I absolutely love that and you mentioned radio reverb which um I'm still a, a passionate advocate of. Mm-hmm. So I was involved in helping set that up 18 years ago. It's it's legal oh. of legal age now, Reverb. It's <laughs> the first community radio station. Uh, we lobbied hard for it to get a license for it. And uh, although I haven't done a show on Reverb for, for a long time, I'm still involved in that uh, Brighton Gin supports and sponsors the food and drink show on Reverb. And it's a fantastic, fantastic station. It's sort of a, a, a mix of... I don't know, six music and radio four and radio three squidged together uh with some occasional paneled music. But you know, you're as they say, you're never, never more than halfway from half an hour away from something you might want to listen to. So yeah. Yeah, I really, I really recommend it.
1: Oh, that's exciting. And yeah, that sounds like the best stations there are squidged together. So that's ideal, isn't it?
2: And it's really it's so bright and focused and bright and centered. It really mm. is for and of and by the community, and it's never lost its community ethos, and I I really admire it for that as well. Also, it's done on string and sealing wax, showing that, Mm. you know, one of the things I also love about radio is that with a tiny or even a non-existent zero budget, actually you can create stuff you can really make amazing stuff that people want to to listen to and engage with. And of course the Rise and Rise of the Podcast has, you know, the death of radio, I think, has been announced prematurely for so many years. And actually yeah. now now podcasting is such a part of people's lives. It's here to stay. Viva La yeah. Radio.
1: Yeah. Well do you know I was thinking about that last night one of my episodes was was going live and you know you you sit and you syndicate it and whatever. And it takes such a long time for it to go live on Apple. And it must just be the sheer number of podcasts that are getting processed, um, you know, going through. So it takes about half an hour. Once it says it's gone, but Spotify's instant. Yeah. But I think Apple just must have the the lion's share still, you know.
2: Yeah. yeah and I, I mean, also, I love that there are so many tools now that make it so much easier simpler to make and publish your audio and get it out there. And also the brilliant thing I think about podcasts is that you can, you know, you can do it on something super specific. I don't know, the history of the spoon or something like that. And out there in the world, there will be people who want to hear about the history of the spoon and will come and actively find that content and connect with it. And I just, that's it's so different from broadcasting and I think it's really magic.
1: Yeah, that was a big tip that I got when I started all this. I had a fabulous producer who was like, ex uh, absolute and, and all the rest of it and he said make it as niche of a niche of a niche as you possibly can because there's nothing worse than just going really wide um so yeah so that i guess hospitality marketing stuff is reasonably niche i suppose <laughs> it's good for for us but uh yes yeah, it's, it's i don't think most people would want to listen to it i don't know
2: absolutely and i love that that you know you can connect with people who want that that content mm-hmm. and then they, all they need to do is press a button and they can have it de- delivered to them every time you publish It's just, it's really, it's
1: yeah. brilliant. Yeah, all five of them. I'm only joking sponsors, <laughs> so it's not fine. Um. So yeah, well, it, just talk about Brighton for a wee sec as well. So what brought you here and why is it so, I mean, leading the witness a little bit, but why is it so magical?
2: Oh, it's, I, my longest, most passionate love affair has been with Brighton. Mm. Uh, I moved here, uh, yeah, twenty three years ago. So the year, year two thousand, um, I moved here on the uh, basis, basically, of just having having had a really fun, quite naughty weekend here once, and um, and I was young enough that, and I was like, having just a really rubbish time with. Where I was at and what I was doing, and I'd fallen back into all sorts of things that I'd promised myself I would never do again. Mm-hmm. And God, I need to change something. But and I was so young at that age. It was like I am going to change everything. I'll hire a van and put all my stuff of it stuff in it and drive around and find somewhere to live. I would not do that now, and I do not advocate it. But but I, but I did that. I loaded a, a van up, drove down to Brighton, searched around, found a, found a flat. Uh, in what i now know is a truly terrible location which is uh, oh. south street which runs in between middle and west street uh, basically my first flat was a ground floor flat off west street so I, I spent a lot of my first six months in brighton hearing people wee against my bedroom bedroom window uh, oh, and God. on one memorable occasion weeing through my letterbox i thought that's that's a <laughs> thing. but um but i one of the things that i loved about it and that i still think is very magical about Brighton is that there's a genuine community or communities here. I love the fact that if you go into a shop or actually if you go into a pub two or three times mm. someone's going to recognize you. They'll say hello and ask how you are and mean it. Mm. And I uh I, I spent a long time being a being a student and living in London and trying to get on with London and I swear to God, you could drop dead in the street and, and mm-hmm. someone just step over you and touch at yeah. you being an inconvenience and, and walk on. And and just this thing about community, Brighton was amazing. I, m- I moved here, I didn't know a single person, and I got to know people. And mm-hmm. actually I got to know people through through radio, whether it was doing my absolutely dodgy peer DJ. Stint lugging my records down to the, down to the end of the pier every, every Saturday morning or uh, being involved in the hospital radio up in, in Kemptown, you know, all those things that people do when they're trying to get their, get into radio and earn earn their chops. And I made friends then and through Radio Reverb who are still such important parts of of my life and I love the fact that you can there is a community here there are people who are interested in stuff whether it's the arts or culture food and drink the sea you know you can you can whatever you're into you can find it here and you can find other people who are into that too.
1: Yeah I mean I, I think there is a real escape to Brighton thing you know and I think if you were a a therapist, you'd make a lot of money in Brighton because you know so many people are just kind of like lost or broken, or you know. But Brighton seems to be the answer for so many. And also, when you talk to people, you know, when people say to me, "Am I going to stay here forever?" I'm like, "Absolutely, you know, I'll get buried here." whatever. and they say, "I can't well, imagine
2: being anywhere else in the UK." No, well, at this all. is exactly it long enough to find it here. It's like nobody yeah. leaving now. Yeah, well, that's I'm what really-
1: that's what I was going to say was most people that you talk to. And you go, well, we next. And it's Barcelona or it's New Zealand or it's Melbourne or it's they, they, they are nomadic. You know, they, they don't have anywhere else in the UK they can possibly go. Bristol at a pinch, but it's always been a bit of a second rate Brighton to me. But, you know, <laughs> sorry, Bristolians. But, you know, but I think in terms of that, you know, and I think when you're here, you do feel part of a gang and you do feel like and you're so proud that you live here. And when someone new comes in, you give them the welcome you were given. Absolutely, you know, it's so lovely. It's, it's such a great place. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it cool. Really
2: is. And also, you know, and it's that doesn't mean that I'm I'm blind to its faults because I'm I'm absolutely not. And I think mm-hmm. there's a whole lot we could be doing better and differently. We've there are many vulnerable people in our society here who who need better care and more joined up care and things. Uh, so I'm not I'm not. Blind to its humorous mm-hmm. faults, but I just like I say, I'm still still in love with it. It's a magnificent place mm-hmm. and, and very very special. The the sea helps as well. I think that thing of having a long horizon is really it makes a, a massive difference. And also I'd love that thing, you know, during the summer on the on the three hot days when it's warm enough to to <laughs> really really go out for a long swim out sea and then to turn around and look at the look at the city along the shoreline and then up to the Downs. It's like, what a magical place. Spoiled. Mm. You're very spoiled to live here.
1: I can't swim. <gasps> <laughs> so, you may, I may well, need to piggyback on you or something. <laughs> well,
2: I shall lecture you about that in a second. <laughs> oh, okay. Is there a reason why you've, why you've never learnt
1: to swim? Uh, I, I just, I, I just, well, I think I'm a bit of a control freak and I feel out of control in the water. If I had to, you know, lie on the couch and and tell you all my problems. I think, I think that's it really. I think, and then, yeah, just an unhealthy relationship with the water, I think. Yeah, a little bit scared of it, I think. But yeah.
2: We shall continue this conversation (laughs) offline. Well, I I hardly then commend to you going out on one of the, taking a boat out to the wind farm that's off the coast here and looking back and getting that incredible perspective yeah. From as well, and also seeing how blooming massive the uh, the wind turbines are when you when you get close to them. So there, yeah. are, there's a safe solution for you. Where else?
1: This line. is good. This is good. Um, so, and then obviously we've got an amazing restaurant hospitality scene and, and pubs and bars and, and and all the rest of it. Um, unfortunately, you didn't manage to make it to the the Brighton's best restaurant awards no, um, you, the other night. The
2: idiotic bit of of double booking but I bumped into some of the people who have been winners uh-huh. uh, during that, uh hats off to uh to Ali at Jalisco who's completely yeah. excited about about that and it re- it's really reflecting a, quite a fast changing but a very but a really exciting scene I think going on and also the the rebirth and revitalization of Preston Street which used mm. to be amazing then was on its uppers for for quite a while, but now is is hosting some incredible places. You know, Bincho Yakitori and Palisco yeah. being being the two at the top of the list. But I think it's yeah, there's there's some great stuff going on. There's some real creativity around as well, and it's not all wallet busting stuff as well, which I think is very important at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think Bincho uh, is is super cheap. Palisco too, and then one of the big winners on the night was Palmito.
2: Uh, Which is amazing. Mm. My current top top three. I've only been once. It was an amazing experience. I got Mm. completely overexcited, possibly possibly to do with the cocktails. Uh, (laughs) But I just thought, what what creative, brilliant food made by really delightful people as well.
1: And what is it? Is it uh, kind of Indonesian type? What's the food?
2: Got a bit of everything. You know, south south. Indian, South American, um, and then championing really, really hyper-local British ingredients as well. Mm. So just fantastic stuff, really creatively done, uh, and some banging cocktails.
1: Nice. Oh, that's good. And then you loved Brighton so much that then you decided to call your gin after it. So... Where where did that all start? I mean, were you involved in the drinks business before, or you know, what what was the set of genesis of all uh, that?
2: So I've got one of those careers that that only makes sense looking backwards. Hmm. Um, it has made no sense at all lived forwards, but actually, when I look back, I can see that there there are threads between things, and also that none of the. Experiences, which when I've been going through them at the times, like what have I been doing with my life? Actually, they all have, have brought something useful to where I am at the at the moment. So, um, three hundred thousand years ago, when I was a, so I was a student in Camden in Swiss Cottage, and then I, I basically ended up running up this huge bill in in what had become my local pub, to the point that the day after I graduated, I basically had to start working in the pub to pay off. <laughs> tab. And then that led me to running the pub, running pubs, being involved in pubs. Um, And that was Camden during the nineties. It was an immensely fun, messy, brilliant time. Um, It's probably taken years off my, off my life, I would imagine. (laughs) Um, But
1: we didn't change it. We wouldn't change it.
2: Oh my God. But it was absolutely, it it was completely amazing. And, um, and, you know, there are many stories that I can tell you which I shouldn't in a, in a when there's a microphone around but uh, it's a really fantastic time
1: well it's cool um, well, it's cool that you say that though because I'm guessing it's around the Britpop time and um, today I think in 1992 Pop Scene Blur was released which uh, Dina's the the genesis right um, yeah. and then I think the same day 1993 Suede's debut album came yes.
2: out Yeah, um,
1: and then Weirdly, today in 1998, Pulps This Is Hardcore came out, which is seen as the death of of Britpop so yeah it's all it's all happening but oh you, I've got to know those stories that'd be phenomenal I'd love to oh,
2: hear that. But, uh, and I still have Um, it's a pretty grotty thing to have kept for so many years but I still have the uh, the cigarette butt that was lit for me by Jarvis Cocker in the engine room in, in Camden back in 90 something 96 I guess 96 <laughs> or 97 what a minging thing to keep for all of those oh years absolutely but, uh, and um, but yes it was a, a, a really special time Um, and then I just I don't know and I went travelling for a while that turned into quite a long while, did all sorts of grotty jobs all over the all over the place. And um but I think that working in the in the drinks industry then and ending up kind of doing this thing of running running pubs for Allied Domek at the at the time mm-hmm. was a, a really useful useful thing. It's a a thing I'm delighted to have done and I wouldn't rule out running a pub in my future, although I also think it's quite a dangerous Game to 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 be in. Uh, well, I really loved it, and actually, that was running the pub, particularly in Camden. That was probably, despite all of my many years in in London, that was probably the the only time I really felt part of a community. Mm. Um, it's a dangerous one because it is all centered around booze, and whether that's you know that when the Draymond come and drop the beer off, and there and they want a pint at ten in the morning. And there was always a lot of that. Oh, well, you know, you should have a drink. I think that it could be very, very, you know, that it could be a dangerous path to to mm-hmm. go down. So I've dodged dodged a bullet there,
1: I think. <laughs> so, well, just just unpacking that for a sec, though. Are there any pubs in Brighton that you think are really stand out, or are there any sort of areas in Brighton you think would would be good for a pub?
2: Oh uh, well, I mean, you've mentioned the hole in the wall, which I think has to have an has to have an, an honourable mention yeah. um, because it's a it's just a great great boozer with a fantastic history as as well mm-hmm. tiny little pub um down side street near uh the the hilton near the metropole and that's um really it really shows as well that with a tiny space you can have a fantastic offer on they have amazing beers they've got a great non-alcoholic section they've got a good spirit shelf as well and actually in a tiny pub you can offer great things and while i loved it when it was a uh a real kind of old old gay man's pub. That mm-hmm. I was I, in it. I
1: was in it then as well. Wasn't like I used it, yeah. to go
2: to a lot, and you know, various roomy-eyed pugs staggering around and things. I used to really, really slightly always slightly whiffy, um, and I used <laughs> to love it. Actually, it's also great to see it full with with people mm. now. I think um, I can get I can really really bang on for for England about this, but I think we've been going through such an era where. Pubs are lost. When pubs are lost, they go forever. They and and with it goes a really important community asset. And I think of some of the pubs around Brighton that have or and, and club spaces that have disappeared over over the years. And a lot of them then turn into coffee shops and things like that. So maybe that offers another thing. But I think what the pub can do and offer to its community is really, really important and special. You know, I'd also like to to wave a flag uh, for the Bedford Tavern, which is uh-huh. um, again on a, on a side street just by Embassy Court, off of the Seafront in Brighton. Yeah. It's a real backstreet boozer. Um, it's uh, you know creaking at the seams a bit. It leaks when it rains. It is the friendliest place ever. Ever they've seen me through through thick and thin there, and um, and it's. Uh, Yeah, it's a place where there is a there's that community. I keep going back to that community thing. And, um, you know, you can go there and have a quiet pint or you can go there and have a ridiculous, massive night out. Mm -hmm. But it's a place that and also that does so much to support people around it. So during lockdown, they did a kind of a Meals on Wheels Service to some of their older clientele, for whom that pub basically provided the only social space that that some of their much older customers were going to. That was oh. then removed. So these are people who would otherwise not be seeing anyone at all, and their pub is arranging to take round a, a proper hot cooked meal to them. And I think that's I have gone off on one, but I think that's you know the, it's, dream. it's ab- absolutely fantastic. It's we're blessed in Brighton with some amazing amazing boozers, although far too many of them have uh, have closed down. But let us work to keep the ones that we still have. and uh, it used to be that there was a there was a pub for every day of the year in Brighton, which um I think is no more, uh, which is a which is a shame, but there are some yeah, amazing things, but whatever area you're in, you can find a good boozer.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and and also, yeah, you just don't feel intimidated getting into any of them. You know, you can go in, and as you say, you'll pick up a pal in two minutes. You know, and whether you want to or chatting. not. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah there's the hat. No, sometimes
2: just, you do just want to have a quiet, quiet moment by yourself. <laughs> but
1: yeah, quite. I just would like. What is that? Uh, the, the phrase is, "I enjoy long, long scrolls on my phone." <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, so I think it's that. So then on on the gin things, you're working in pubs. And then what happened? Did you come out of the pub game altogether and then
2: Yeah, start totally. This? And then ended up um uh doing a really, really awful uh job in London that was very well paid, which I did pure it's I think it's the only time I've done a job purely for the Purely for the cash, which I did, and then that gave me the wherewithal to go and, and travel for two years. I think in in, in total, I was I was away, mm-hmm. but that included a spell of of living in Australia, working there, um, and seeing Aussie hospitality actually and how that's how that works and how brilliant that that can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was a that was just you know lots of fun loafing around the world. Basically, I <laughs> bet you know do, where you do do gigs to earn some quid so you can go to your next adventure. Uh, But then I ended up moving, came back from a... And this is where I'd had all of these big things about, I'm not going to move back to London. I'm not going to... And basically, I moved back to London, moved into my sister's flat. I even went back basically to my my old job and did it for about three weeks. And I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And that was then when it was the pile everything to a van and and come to Brighton.
1: And how did you even... Think about or know that you could make generally. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start.
2: Oh, good. So on the on the gin front, I should say that I've uh, I have come to it very much from the um, probably the passionate consumer.
1: Thorough <laughs> the uh, testing.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. So coming back to this thing of the nineties. So when I moved to moved to London in nineteen ninety two to to go and study, go to go to university, and already at that and I was you know in my late teens and gin was my drink i just had the best times on it but i think it's it's quite hard to describe to younger people just how incredibly uncool gin, gin was at, at that time so i used to go into you know fairly crappy pubs you know yield swiss cottage in swiss cottage um you know you'd ask for gin and tonic first of all the the bartender would generally actually laugh in in my face the phrase would be i'm like that's a man's drink yeah and then you get it in a little you know there's little dumpy wine glasses uh, maybe maybe an ice cube one if you were very very lucky and there would be this sort of sad slumped bit of lemon at the at the bottom of the glass and that was it that was but i always loved jim i had the best times on it it let me get away with it um it's and and the more i've learned about about gin and distilling over time i know that actually there's the science that backs that up it's a distilled spirit in the very act of distillation basically you know the 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 cleaner and purer the alcohol the less crummy you're going to feel at the at the end of it um so yes so gin had always been a thing that i really loved through all of its very very uncool times and the the Genesis for the idea of a Brighton gin comes from having I'd had a very very late night around a friend's kitchen table in uh, in Bedford Square to be to be precise, drinking a full of gin, dancing around the kitchen table, staying up far too late, and the next day I was going for a run down the down the seafront, down past the, the bandstand and and towards home, and as I was running. Um I had an absolute moment of going, oh my god, gin is, you know, if I've been drinking anything other than gin, I wouldn't have made it off my sofa, let alone out for a run. Ah, mm. Gin is the one thing that lets you get away with it. Brighton is a place that needs to get away with it on a frequent basis. Yep. Like, oh, that's it. I you know, Brighton, Brighton I want to make Brighton gin. Um and that there are always bubbles in ideas, aren't there? So and I just turned around on my run and, and pegged it home and i was thinking, right, okay, well if someone is if someone else is already want, trying to make a, a Brighton gin, then actually I take my hat off to them and, and look forward to trying it. Um, got on the interweb and not only had, had was no one trying to make a, a Brighton gin, but actually it turned out there'd never been, there hadn't been a distillery here or anywhere close to here. There was no history of distillation in, in this part of the world. I was like, that's it. Oh my God, I'm going to do it. Yeah. How hard can it be? That question you should never ever ask, because generally the answer no. is hard. Yeah. Um but and, and that thing is the I, I think probably one of the reasons why there hasn't been um you know a spirits industry here is because we're in such an amazing brewing part of the world. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been the 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 need, actually. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that was that was my path to the to the idea of it And then
1: the ideas on a a couple of post-it notes or fag packet or whatever. How? Where does it go from there? Like, who did you call on? How did you even start? Like, oh, were you, you able to look up? There was no, there was no Chat GPT to go. You know, give me the <laughs> best recipe for the best gin in the world ever. Oh
2: my god! Do you know? I was, I was um, just digging through some ancient this is how thrilling things are it. I'm digging through some ancient hard drives and, and stuff uh, last week. And I found the, my kind of original from, from 2011, my original kind of brainstorming ideas. And me and my sister basically went and, and I was so fixated on it being called Brighton Gin, not anything else, Brighton Gin. So actually the first thing that we did was me and my sister went off and found out that how do you register a trademark okay well let's try and do that and so we somehow managed to to do that with just the just the two of us doing doing this thing and i at the time i was working in in london i uh, had a lot of time with very very slow moving trains between brighton and london and i just yes. absolutely immersed myself into reading every single thing I, I could wherever I could, but uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The the resources that are available now versus then are are, are so many miles apart. Uh, it took and and you know hats off to 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 Sipsmith and to Sacred. Gin. So both of them together were tackling, had tackled uh, HMLC about licensing small small stills, mm. and if they hadn't broken the ground on that, none of this would be would be possible.
1: And who else was around at the time?
2: So I guess there was the, yeah. There's so the uh, sacred in in yeah. Highgate, uh, Sip Smith, probably the best known from that era. And then there was also uh Juniper Green, who were um it uh, doesn't exist anymore, but they were yeah. an organic uh brand as well. But um but they were they were sort of it on the on the really, really small guys in terms of uh geographically identified places, you know, Plymouth gin yeah. in the the thing. Um and but yeah they're the ones that I I think were on the go at the time. I was
1: it was always my go-to for um a martini was uh, was Plymouth. Yeah a, it was always
2: it's a fine fine gin and also I I really love that over the however many hundreds of years of of history of distilling, they've they've made three products basically. They've made their, their Santa gin, their navy strength gin, and a slow gin. Yeah. I'd they've done three things, but they've done three things really well and really consistently. And it's and that's a hard thing to achieve in food and drink.
1: Definitely. And then, what was the first bottle you produced? Like, or the first batches?
2: Oh my god! I so I still have. I'm using for cleaning. <laughs> the uh, the the original uh, batches of of things. And it, it was. And I did a lot of a lot of recipe development, and it and. And I don't mind saying that the first things that um that I made on my little, you know, alembic thing on my on my hob at, at home but just it was so exciting. The first those like, oh my god, this smells like gin. Oh my god, I'm so oh it was absolutely amazing. But actually it was just gopping and um and I didn't and and I'm, uh, which I'm very upfront about about talking about because I think I just I made so many mistakes a lot of them were to do actually with with just overloading packing to far too much stuff oh. in uh, including I had this huge shopping list of botanicals that I, that I wanted to use and it, there was just too much going on and there was too much of everything oh. uh, particularly too much too much juniper, um, which is what is your you know the the definitive. You can't have gin without without juniper. It's your definitive botanical. Um, but it's uh, a member of the pine family. It's full of pinols and resins, and the very act of distillation draws those out and intensifies and concentrates them. So you you have to have a, a a careful measured hand with it. And I didn't understand that to to begin with, but that's the whole thing, isn't it? About doing stuff and trying to refine it and learning from. Learning from your mistakes, whether whether it was having a dodgy hot plate that caught fire, that me and my mate Easy then tried to put out with my oven gloves, which then caught fire, and uh, I have a strong recollection of of me and him on my fire escape stamping on my smouldering oven gloves, going, "We've got to get better at this. We've got to get better." Um, but you learn. You learn every time something goes. Every time something goes wrong, the mate which continues to happen the main thing is to first we'll take it on the chin and then go right okay how can we what what can we do to make sure this never happens again
1: and then how did you crack it you know was it a bit like wd-40 it was on the 40th attempt or you know what <laughs> my god, is that what, why
2: wd-40 what? is called
1: wd-40 water displacement 40 it's 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 called because it's not an oil yeah it's on the 40th 40th oh model god.
2: oh yeah. my god amazing well in that case it should be kind of i don't know bg-64 then i think (laughs) so eventually what what ended up doing was actually ended up it had got it's kind of in the ballpark of the of the gin that I wanted to go for and the gin that I wanted to go for is specifically one that you'd want to sit around a kitchen table with this is kind of going back to the origin thing of of around that table in, in, in Bedford Square so you'd want to you know sit around a, a table with a gang of mates and have drink lots of gin and tonics and have a lovely time you know I wanted to make a gin of which you want to have more than one and is a is something that's just really enjoyable and, and drinkable um, and so I got it kind of vaguely in the ballpark of, of things it still wasn't it just wasn't right so then I ended up distilling each of the botanicals that narrowed it down to separately so in effect making a botanical vodka I suppose with, the, with each uh-huh. one and then nosing and tasting them all and that was the final bit of going aha that's the thing that's not that's not right um and 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 it was like a balloon debate really it was like does this thing add Mm -hmm. does this add to the to the to the sum or not um and so from that paired it really 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 back um and then kind of created a blend from from those uh individually distilled things and it's like right okay do a sum and try and now let's try and recreate that with everything distilled at once. So it's a it's a London dry style gin. But mm-hmm. I'm from Brighton. I don't want to say London anywhere on the
1: Oh, God, no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so so it, took, uh, it was a really circuitous, ridiculous, long-winded route that, mm. that I took. And there are much quicker ways to go about doing that. But, but I took that route, and actually I'm glad about it in terms of the really – Understanding the process, the variables within it, how hard it is to get consistency, particularly in a small batch handmade product. So, I, I definitely could have shaved 18 months off the process if I'd gone to a recipe development yeah or outsourced the whole thing. But it's called Brighton Gin. It should be made in Brighton
1: yeah.
2: by Brightonians. Yeah. So, uh, this is me justifying having wasted all of that time. <laughs>
1: no, but, you really know. having burnt my
2: flat down and all sorts of things.
1: But then if it's a passion project and something you really want to do, like, there's no point in, you know, giving it to a nanny or whatever. Do you know what I mean? If it's that's your thing, you know, it's like you just would feel disconnection and you're not in it for the money. I
2: didn't mean to strike a nerve. <laughs> no, it's um, you no, know, it's absolutely true, and that's mm. why you know, wanted to. I was just so into it, mm. and I, and I absolutely wanted to. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it was a thing of wanting to do know all the all the nuts and bolts and the. And, yeah. that, and that everything's about it.
1: There's not nuts and bolts in it. Just a disclaimer. <laughs> <on it>. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, and I, and I hope
2: over over the longer term, as the market that I'm in uh, matures, and and um, you know the the gin boom has has peaked some time ago, and now it's kind of you know there's a shakeout going on, mm. and all sorts of things are, are are happening. And I I really hope that over the long term, the fact the the authenticity of of what we do the the genuine small scale handmade nature of it. I, I hope that that's and um, the love and care that goes into each each bottle. I really hope that that's something that's going to see us through the the long term.
1: Yeah, no, me too. I, you know, I really don't want you going anywhere. <sighs> A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Save by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish restaurant of the year Sugar Boat to TipJar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Save by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the Robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. In terms of the branding and all that stuff then, so you were pretty sure from day one it was it was Brighton Gin. Okay. Um how, how did then the branding come around? Because it's so distinctive in terms of the bottle, the ticket, the, the wax, you know, all the rest of it, the, you know, the pier lights. So, yeah, what what happened? Oh, God, the pier, what a good link for you and your DJing.
2: Oh, do you know, I've never thought about it. You could work in marketing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have never thought of that. Oh, there you go. There we go. I'm going to write it. Back. <laughs> um, so this, I'm not, I say that, that Brighton Gin is the, the gin that collaborations built. So um, when I was, uh, at the same time as as trying to get the, the liquid right. Um also there's so much that has to be right about if you can't get someone to pick up your bottle, mm. they're never even gonna taste the the liquid. Having a brilliant thing on the inside is is that has to be sort of a basic starting point. Yeah. Um but I knew the uh, the the square root of bugger all about branding um i'd worked like i say with my sister on some stuff she, and she would worked in advertising back in the back in the day so she could bring some of the hard-headed commercials that me with my love of community were sorely lacking from the, the lineup <laughs> but actually i had a, a friend who was le- um she was uh leaving the big uh brand agency that she'd been working for and she was going to set up on on her own and was looking for uh, some portfolio pieces, I guess. And was like, well, okay, cool. Well, I'll help you do, make some podcasts or write some audio treatments for things that you want to pitch or for people or that, you know, you want to show that that you can bring to things. I can do that and let's work together on the label. And we basically did a contra.
1: Mm, great.
2: And uh, she's now an all props to to Sarah Westwood. She's got her amazing design agency with oh, lovely, lovely places in uh, in Shoreditch. So it's definitely worked for. But yeah, we just we just collaborated on it really. And also the thing of because we definitely there was no money, so the there was not the option to do a kind of test and learn. Like someone might, you know, you might release a, a product and see how people react to it and then refine it and and tweak it. I was very much in the we probably only have one chance to get this right. I definitely only have the budget to get one batch of labels done. Uh so let's, you know, we've got to get it, get it as much of it right the first time as as possible. Um, and also to try and communicate as much of Brighton as possible. Yeah. So the ticket is like the peer ticket, but also the idea of, being, you know, it might be your your train ticket down to Brighton, your your, your ticket to come and have a good time, get up to no good, just, yeah, have a have a lovely time. Um, and
1: that colour as well. I mean, such a distinctive colour of Brighton. Oh
2: the colour was a massive debate for a very, very, very long time time it's mm. like, it's got to be the downs but it's got to be the sea and the bah, 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 wrangle wrangle wrangle
1: mm.
2: and uh of course it's now it's the color of the seafront railings and I like, yep. presumably someone within the council has had that big row at some point about it's got to be this and that but yeah it's so it's that color um which once you start seeing it in brighton you then spot it all over the all over the place mm. uh, and it's a spectrum which i also like as well because you know all things in brighton should be a should be a spectrum so that color is proved to be absolutely bloody impossible to, to repeat
1: <laughs> um
2: we have lots of different variations of it but it is that kind of yeah turquoisey sea you know when there's when the 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 sun is on the sea at a certain time of year that kind of color
1: yeah it's beautiful it, it's almost as distinctive as colors you would link to miami do you know what i mean it's it's like our it's our, our version of that but i think also like i mean i, I have to say just just well done you know from from uh, without being patronizing like just how blown away I was the first time I had a bottle in my hand and I just thought it's almost like a quadruple threat right because you've got the branding right you've got the bottle right you've got what's on you know the 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 tactile nature of the ticket as well and then the wax seal and
2: you you can come again (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I just absolutely fell in love with it, you know. And you know, my 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 wife at the time, you know, she—I'm not saying it was a gin hound or anything, but mm-hmm. um, but just uh, you know, just adored. It, and it was the only thing that we could possibly have, you know, maybe a maybe a bottle of Hendrix next to it because that was where we were from. But um, but yeah, we just you know both loved it. And then you then had your variants as well. So you had a kind of—I think you had the, the the Navy strength type version didn't you with the blue ticket maybe yes yeah, yeah. that's
2: our, our our seaside strength. That's it. um that's it. which uh, so 57% which is your uh, legal definition of a of a navy strength um, but the, the the much higher proportion of alcohol does a scientific job as well as that, kind of hitting that legal definition. But basically the, the much higher alcohol rate means you can stuff in loads and loads of botanical flavour that just evaporates at, at lower ABVs. So the alcohol bonds the flavour molecules in. So it's got four times the, the juniper, it's got double the citrus, it's got double everything else. It's kind of the equivalent of going for that... You know, you know, there's really bracing seaside water. You get kind of yeah,
1: faceful of sea yeah,
2: spray, yeah. and and it blows away the cobwebs. That's what the the seaside strength is is like. So, and we also wanted to show that you can have something that's based on it's like cooking. So you have something that's based on exactly the same ingredients, that has a really really different result. Mm-hmm. So we use exactly the same botanicals, but a very different process, uh, different proportions. Uh, it's barrel rested for for a long time which just helps it integrate you know that thing of you make a curry or you order a curry in and it's delicious the first night that you have it but then it sits in the fridge for a couple of days and then it's just so much better the same thing happens where the, the flavors meld and marry together it's just it's magic
1: and then just in terms of uh what you're doing now so obviously you're moving into cans and and seeing those trends I mean, you know was that a big leap for you or was it not too much hassle
2: it was absolutely huge huge leap a massive yeah. departure uh, not least because making a ready to drink product at a much lower um ABV they have a shelf life on them um my core products so Brighton gin pavilion strength at 40% or the seaside strength that i've just been talking about they can they can sit indefinitely on a on a shelf and in fact it, they, you know, they're just they improve with with aging and and lurking about, whereas a, a ready to drink thing doesn't. The cans were originally they were in a bottle to to begin with, and originally they were aimed at. Oh, these are going to be a perfect, uh, co- you know, commuter drink. People will be able to buy them in Victoria and travel down to Brighton and have a taste of Brighton before they arrive. Uh, and then lo and behold, COVID came along. It's like, oh, well, there aren't going to be any commuters for a while or indeed anything else. Uh, and then also, it's like, I live by a pebbly beach. Why on earth have I put something in a glass bottle that's meant to be drunk out and yeah. out and about? But, you know, this is the thing of, say, about about mistakes and learning from them. It's like, okay, well, that was a thing that's aimed at a very particular section of potential consumers who are definitely not going to be consuming this Thing. So, and we've put them in a put them in a can. Aluminium is, is endlessly recyclable as long as people don't throw it away in the wrong in the wrong thing. That can just keep going through the system for forever and ever. Mm. And we've also tried to with them, so they're they're more they're not as strong as a cocktail, but they're more of a they're they're a they're a canned cocktail mixed mixed drink. So there's mm-hmm. not necessarily. Uh, make at home have the wherewithal to make there's uh the raspberry crush that's made only with uh english raspberries sicilian lemons uh brighton brighton gin um so it has actually got brighton gin in it it's not a cheap thing off the off the shelf which is a choice that other people make
1: yeah what you could do you could as
2: carefully (laughs) as possible um,
1: Do you know, funnily enough, just when you say that, I've, I've just come off LinkedIn, uh, I've come off looking at it, I would never come off it, I would love it, um, but I've seen, there's a new Heinz ad that's out, have you seen it?
2: Yes, is this with the uh, with the
1: vodka? Oh no, but it's, well there is wow. that as well, but no, so basically, you know, uh, more economic cafes, let's say, have the Heinz bottles on the table, but they're decanting something else in, that's yes. what the ads are. And it says even when it isn't Heinz, it has to be Heinz. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: ah, clever. It's so clever. Oh, uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's clever. Yeah.
2: Because yeah, Yes. So that's the thing you find out is, is just because something says it's something, it doesn't mean it necessarily mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of the one of the cans. And then the other one is a, a lemon verbena garden collins. So lemon verbena, uh, cucumber, sparkling water, and uh, so spritz uh, and, and and Brighton gin, and they're just they're very they taste very different to each other. They're very different to gin or gin and tonic um but also, I hope that people will will drink and enjoy them in all sorts of different uh settings, whether you're seeing a gig at the dome or at the Concorde or uh they're shortly going to be launching on a on a a cruise line, which I'm p- very excited about oh, is and that. About- about which I should say no more, okay for the time being. But just my excitement getting getting carried away. So, oh, I my think- dad, my
1: dad will be really pleased if it's the Isle of Arran ferry uh, going out. To <laughs> <laughs> is is it that he'll be really chuffed?
2: That gives me a target, <laughs> that's a new target to, to go out and go out and get. So, um, I think there there's something that is the the for. People to to drink and experience Brighton Gin in a totally different way. They're they're much lower. They they are deliberately low ABV, so they're they're under five percent. So they're not going to blow your socks off. Um, they, but there's something you can definitely drink at a a gig and have a. Also, we want to show that you can you can have a product in a can that's still super premium, made with all natural ingredients. There's no added sugar or colours or anything. They're all they're totally natural. Um, and I think. You know, you can, you can still have something that's super quality, but you can drink on the,
1: drink on the hoof. I'm so pleased for you. And I'm so pleased because I was at the um, Brighton Fringe launch, uh, where I think i bumped into you. And um, you were doing some cans and the Brighton gin bikes were outside and and all that. And I was so pleased because I had my Pret, my Pret to head on. And when I worked at Pret, just, you kept your standards up. You know, and he didn't do what everyone else did, and I saw someone drinking out the can, the the lemon verbena, and I could read it what they were they were holding, and I was so pleased that you didn't just go route one, and you didn't just go, oh, it's this way lemon, or, you know, you're straight, and you know your target, you know that it's people who just be smarter than the average bear. and I just saw of I thought, oh, that great, you know, I just thought that, well done for
2: just oh, stretching that. it,
1: you know but honestly uh, when you see, because you could have just went gin and tonic's where it's at, let's go you could have done, but you know, is that really what you're trying to achieve as a brand? Probably not.
2: And also there are uh, amazing mainstream players and uh, yeah. at supermarket chains who make these things uh, in- incredibly well and incredibly cheaply and it's like, we're going toe-to-toe with that. We're never, ever going to, we're never, ever going to win. Mm. So actually you need to be, you know, creative and look at things another, another way.
1: Yeah. No, um, honestly, I am glad
2: you approve.
1: I uh, it's well, <laughs> not that you need approval. But I, just, I, I definitely just, I... <laughs> need approval.
2: Yes, I, I've never cried so much over a <laughs> over, over project, just trying to get these things right. It's, it's, were, but it's, it's like, you know, I've had to learn a whole new set of yeah. things. and, yeah. So it's never boring, although sometimes I wish it would be just for...
1: <laughs> yeah, just for a couple of days, just yeah. for a couple of days. But no, as I say, when I saw it, I thought that's uh, that's smashing, you know. And, and thank you for supporting The Fringe as well. I've just joined as a, as a board member. So just thanks so much for, for all your help, you know. Well,
2: actually, I think one of the things I really... And I'm trying to find a way to articulate it properly. But I think one of the things I want... Brighton businesses and community organisations and charities to do is, is I want us all to sort of think mu- in a much more circular fashion about how we can help support each other and and achieve what we all want to to do about how we can also you know there's a big world out there and but it's a big world that's hearing a lot more about brighton largely because of the football team actually there are people around the world yeah. who, who now know of, how now, now know of brighton who may never have heard of us before and like, but actually let's what can we do to help look after each other and look outwards and not necessarily squabble inwards
1: yeah not
2: no, let that yet but that's that's kind of the thing that i'm trying to trying to get together in my head at the moment
1: i think that's amazing and and i think thinking about brighton and was joking about ilavar in there but you know, it is a little bit of an islander culture that actually, you know, the barter system is actually quite a good one in Brighton, you know, and you get it all the time. And, you know, I've got WhatsApp groups where, you know, various places that I've lived in Brighton and all that. And it's still, if you could do that for me, I'll do this. And, you know, and and, and that's what it's all about down here. You know, it really is wanting this place to thrive in its own way. It's own we republic, you know.
2: Yeah, totally. And also, I mean, generally, I think people are, crappily paid in in brighton it's one of the oh, downs yeah. being being here is that you know jobs are badly paid lots of people do two two jobs have a side hustle as you know they've we now know them as mm. one of those people actually as you know still have to have a second job in a in effect yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah. um yeah. but i think also because we have always as a town strapped for cash the entire time but actually that boss system or what can we do to Support in kind, support each mm. other, is uh, is is one of our is one of our strengths, and also yeah. meet people and talk to people, and I think that's always a good thing.
1: Well, I've had it already. Um, I was in for a new pair of glasses um, with a, a an optician here that I won't name, and, uh, and anyway they phoned up and and I said, oh, it's a wee bit punchy because my lenses are expensive. And I said, I'll maybe just wait a wee while. And anyway, they've got a marketing problem, so they phoned up and they said, uh, if you would turn this around for as you know as many glasses as you like and I thought great I've only got one face but okay so <laughs> <laughs> but so I was like yeah wicked so you know it is it's like that you know and it's not grabby or or you know sort of using you know it genuinely is, is both sides getting something out of it you know and I, I really appreciate that about it I think it's great mm. you know and a lot of the time down here you know I'll give up my time like for a lot less just because you know it's, it's it's to help the local economy here you know there's a fabulous new restaurant opening on saturday night actually called embers so it's um isaac at is doing his new thing so i gave them a wee hand just there so um i've got the the soft launch on saturday so that, that should be really exciting it's all wow. fire and meat and hanging pineapples and all sorts so yeah Sounds very exciting.
2: Um, well, keep, keep an eye out for um, we are we're, we're doing a new thing again. that's kind of aimed very much at, at Brighton and Hove uh, venues, so uh, particularly for for hospitality and, and the entree. But we do a do a refill scheme. So whether it's uh, bottles that we can come and like your old, you know, your old milk bottle days where we can come and come and spike round and collect them and replace them with with full ones yeah. embers I think have gone for our a stainless steel five liter vat of uh of brighton gin oh. um so keep an eye out for that on saturday night when you go to embers
1: oh well oh absolutely yeah so do you know what's funny? We've been talking all this time. I don't think I've referred to my questions once. <laughs> so it's going so well. Um, so a couple of things I was—I I just have noted down though that I want to talk about was just on the wax seal. So in terms of brands, brands have brand codes, right? And you know, good ones anyway. And they'll have four or five strong. And I could name it off the top of my head. You can name it off the top of your head. But one of the biggest things to me is that wax seal. And I just wondered about that because again, about you keeping your standards up, people would eventually go, that's a hassle, that's expensive, we'll just get a green cap, thanks very much. And you don't do that. So just how did that come? Of? Where did that idea come from? Because it was so new, I'd never seen it before.
2: Oh, I mean, like so many things, Bright and Gin Shaped, that just came from, from necessity to begin with. We needed to have uh so we could legally sell Brighton gin in offies and, and places who need to have a tamper proof seal. And all of the other options were so blinking expensive. Mm. And uh yeah, and and to begin with, and I still have some of those those bottles at home and in our what we laughingly call our museum, which is basically a cupboard, <laughs> the, the distillery that's got the but uh, so we used to um mix the wax by eye. So it was all sorts of inconsistent colours and thicknesses <laughs> and an absolute b- bane in my life. But it's something that um we and also I used to be able to tell who had who had waxed which bottle because we'd each have a signature thing. So my mine had a little kind of slightly rude knobble on each each time. <laughs> but I have now basically been sacked from that process by uh Paul our our the distiller and Jude our production manager who is my mum she's gonna be 18 ah. Congratulations. Um, and she is waxing every single every single bottle to this to the point they look they're completely perfect. I think they're slightly too perfect. Oh there's that thing of like they they just they look amazing. And every time we have we've just been hosting this week actually our our German distributors came to visit us, which was absolutely brilliant. And they're just like oh, but we thought a machine did this. It's like, well, if you if you mean Jude, she, I mean she is a machine in many ways, but, <laughs> but it's because each one is so perfectly done, um, and it's a real mac and a, and quite a pain in the bum actually. But we still have all sorts of you know again, you can get that there are industrial solutions these things. You can get an automatic waxer. You can get a you know a, a five thousand pound waxing bath that holds the wax at a certain temperature. But we still have our leg wax warmers. Um, <laughs> That uh, that we use because you know they they do the job, and I,
1: uh, I've still got etched in my brain uh, a Facebook or Instagram video of you doing it. Still got it etched in yeah. my brain showing the bottles getting dipped, and still I just connect that with you every time, you know. But that's fantastic. Yeah, you might want to rough it up a bit. Yeah, if it's not not very bright and being yeah, perfect, is it?
2: <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. And I and I feel the same about the um uh, because and all of our labelling is done by hand as well. So every single bottle, whether it's a mini or uh or cases and cases of of the full size 700s hundred, they're, they're all finished by by hand. And again, that's the um the labelling is just done by eye. We don't have any guides or anything. We just, wow. just do them by eye and they go on perfectly. I wow. used to quite like them when they were occasionally, you know, yeah, artisanal.
1: Quality uh, control.
2: That's it. Our <laughs> uh, quality control actually has got much more ferocious over over time. Um, and I've, again, I've been sacked for most of these things. Like, <laughs> on a handmade product. It doesn't matter if it's a bit skew With
1: It's time for you to open that pub. Um, and then in terms of you know, you mentioned Germany and German distributors. If we look at now, how many bottles do you sort of make a day? If, if you measure it in that way, and and you know, is it smalls and bigs and whatever? And then also, what what countries are you in there? What percentages? All that rough. I mean, ballpark. Yeah.
2: So we. So all of these are, are approximations. Um, Mainly because, as I'm sure you can tell, I love words and not so hot with the with the numbers. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we we make northwards of, of thirty thousand bottles uh, each, done by by hand, like like I say, and. Gee. They, Oh, no, no, that's over a year.
1: Oh, right. I was like,
2: Holy crap. Oh, my God. If it's me, if it's it today, we're going to need more than my mum
1: in, in action. Um, she's she got a
2: team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, no, so, so at the moment, it's about 30,000 a year. I hope uh-huh. that that will go upwards as we come out of the incredible kicking of the last few years. All of these, you know, once in a lifetime uh occurrences of which we've had at least one a year for the last three three years yeah. um and at the moment we're exporting to 15 or 16 countries uh which is amazing it's incredible Absolutely amazing i we've got uh are I gonna tempt fate by saying this hmm. well we're yes we've got we're pulling together our first pallet to go off to canada that should be in the near, near future that's very exciting And, um, but yeah, there are Brighton gin bottles scattered all over the place. Taiwan, Australia, uh, close to home, um, Germany, Netherlands, we do lots of work in and that's, it's a thing that I really want to, uh, our, our mission, if we were to have one is that we want to take the spirit of Brighton to the world in, in every sense, whether it's through what we do here, just down the road, delivering everything by, bicycle or getting involved in community events or when we take brighton gin to to hong kong and present it to to bars there and get people in engaging with it it's yeah i think there's there's a long way to go still still with that i think there's lots of export journeys to to happen um they all take a really long time i think that's yeah. the thing that i would, would want to be up front about um is that it's a it's a long process, yeah. uh, when, between starting conversations with with things. Uh, me and my colleague Ellie have just come back from working at a, an incredible uh, bar festival in Mumbai, and that would be awesome to get Brighton Jen going to going to Mumbai. But again, probably going to Mumbai, going to a single postcode in Mumbai. Yeah. such a vast market. There's an incredible. Booming Indian gin scene, so it's like where would where would we fit and and how? But that would be that would be fantastic. And there yeah. are many many uh, historical links between what's now Mumbai and and Brighton. So I think there's stuff to be done there.
1: But and also I wonder how many places are called Brighton in the world.
2: Forty nine. Is it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking about it. is there one in. Is a Brighton Beach in New York?
2: Brighton Beach in in New York. Uh, there's yeah. a Brighton in every every state in Australia. Um, I've been to a few of those actually. They're, one of my one of my life
1: missions is to, you, to go to all of them. Were you posting pictures of you in Brighton with the bottle? Yes. Oh, that's uh, Subliminally, I've got that in my head. Ah, yeah, yeah very good. There,
2: um, I think you know, right right on my list of Brightons to get to. There's a Brighton in Bolivia. Is Why? It? Ooh. Why? But I don't know. I wanna get there. I wanna find out. So um yes, one of my life goals is to get Brighton Gin to every every Brighton in the in the
1: world. Very cool. Oh no, I think that would go. that would that would be amazing. And then what about Brighton gin and hospitality then? So the growth of um, you know, Brighton Gin, and, and you know you're sort of building it up. I'm guessing pubs were maybe first stop, and then into restaurants. But how, how's how's all that going?
2: Yeah, totally. And I uh, obviously everything COVID shaped, came and put a massive, massive, massive spoke into all of those things. So pre COVID, I would say that 85 of our of our trade in the UK was uh, into into hospitality, into the on trade. We'd done that deliberately but right. well actually you know in a world of 3000 gins there's 8000 gins gin brands world, worldwide there are 3000 uh british gins there are not 3000 uh british gin distilleries by the way but like uh, you can go Ooh. and go and find investigate on the internet with those things it's, um <laughs> but honestly you know so much is about um how so i was on the blow at someone o- earlier in the week who's got bars in St Albans and hit stocks, bright and gins. So actually, in a world where there are so many gins, that advocacy of someone behind a bar recommending something is going to be how how lots of people have have their first contact with yeah. it. Um, overseas, definitely, it's a, it we definitely uh, you know think about bartender advocacy and people recommending things, and um, and that's that's how lots of people are going to encounter the. The brand, really, so hospitality hugely hugely important part, I mean also, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm obsessed with pubs and how important they are, particularly oh. pubs actually, but you know, but restaurants are are as as well, and I think in a when there's so much limited so not so much so little you know shelf space actually it's 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 hard to get a to get a listing, I think also there's one of the things we're contending with at the moment is. Um, probably what's best described as, I don't know, bartender ennui with uh, with gin. But for the consumer, I think the uh, gin is still just arriving and people really want to explore it. Uh, the fact that there's a gin for every day of the week or, or day of the year is, it is is amazing. People can really find the thing yeah. for for them. Um, don't know where I'm going with this part from I'm hoping you might give me an answer.
1: Really, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot to do right because you've got to get in there you've got to get placement on the shelf where you're hopefully going to be seen you've got to think about bar runners bar towels drip mats swag for maybe the on weed (laughs) 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 Um, bar bartenders um glassware you know all these complications all these things so you know when you're looking at all that I mean that's all additional investment as well so i mean how does that happen you know is it calling in favors is it investment is it a cash flow thing do you have to throttle it a bit before you can get bigger how, how did you handle all that
2: i mean it's a very good thing that this is uh audio and not video because my <laughs> eye bags are outrageous at the moment and a lot of that comes from like that this is a this for for good or for ill this has been a bootstrapped business since mm. since the Beginning, and there are real, you know, there's there really are strengths and, and weaknesses that come with that. One of the weaknesses is that actually, when it comes to doing things like getting glassware made or getting bar, you know, bar runners done. Um, so we have beautiful bar runners, they have a little cut out of a bottle shape. they're beautiful, <laughs> they're Literally. lovely, yeah. but we have also then. Because I'm trying to to have a, an ethical and a sustainable brand in a, in every sense. They're not um, they're, they're they're not from China. Um, I'm sure there are ethical and sustainable solutions that come from China, but we've chosen to cut to to shop much much closer to home and be British made. They're unbelievably expensive and taken taken months 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 to to make. You know there are reasons why people go and get stuff mass produced somewhere else and and ship it in. So there are there are real limitations there. The cash is just the killer all all the time. Um there are so many things that we'd love to do. We've got great ideas about, but actually if you but they're they're hard often to 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 make you know to make real mm-hmm. because you need to have the quids to to pay for it.
1: Really. Yeah. No, it's it's really difficult. I mean I'm thinking about Lucky Saint, you know they're they're on a you know sort of similar trajectory, but sort of slightly parallel line, slightly different. But you know, I'm I'm just seeing the growth of them, and and then they've got their their pub going and all the rest of it, and I just i really just think hats off because the grind to get into all these places is just so difficult. And then what about the retail side of things? Then you know, I'm 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 sure that's no cakewalk either.
2: Mm. It's yeah, and again, there's there are those in terms of, of physical spaces. You know, there, there are shelves are only so so long and and so wide. Um, I'm love that we work closely with our our local independents uh, who've been so so supportive of us. It's great to have this the the space, and they've had plenty to to contend against as well. Uh, obviously, direct consumer through our website has become quite a big thing. It became a huge thing during uh, during COVID, and and doing kind of direct supply with us pedalling out on our bikes and doing doorstep <laughs> deliveries and and the like. Glasgow,
1: oh god! <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but I know exactly.
2: There's a lot uphill, and also for something that's by you know at sea level. There's a lot of hills
1: around. Oh, brains and It's like San yeah. Francisco, Jesus. <laughs>
2: um, but we also we also have um, some some regional big listings with uh, bigger to us, uh, with Marks and Spencers mm-hmm. and with Waitrose, and they're really they're great for us in because actually there's there are a whole lot of people who wouldn't necessarily. Um, Go to go to a local off license who want the convenience of buying everything in a in a supermarket, and that really that helps us be able to supply those people. Yeah. Um, but we also really really look at at trying to look after and support our local indies and those things. we, you know, we try and do through through tastings and having which we we do all everything we do ourselves. So we have a, a a team of seven of us. And we do absolutely every single thing, whether it's peeling fruit for the for the distillations to running a distillery tours ourselves or our gin school or going out doing a tasting in a shop. Easter Saturday, I'm going to be at Beston's Brewery in Linfield running a, running a bar and wanging on to people about gin. <laughs> I'm fairly sure they weren't going to want to talk about the beer, actually. But, um, but, you know, we do all of those things our, ourselves. And I guess the thing that I'd say is that that's... We don't and can't support with those euphemistic terms of listing fees, but yeah. we quite strong opinions. But we can help and support with um, by by turning up, by doing staff training, by, by doing tastings and getting people to engage with things and talking to them about the story of Brighton Gin and why, you know, why in that world of 8,000 gins, why should you choose us and hopefully giving people reasons to reasons to try including the fact it's actually really really delicious which i probably need to do more talking about going it is actually lush
1: well yeah well just on that point i've I've got this noted down was was just for anyone that hasn't had it what are the tasting notes then you say london dry gin but brighton dry gin and then what else you know what can people expect if they have it and how does it differ
2: so starting with our, our pavilion strength, so that's our 40% classic, classic Brighton gin. Super, super smooth. Uh, one of the reasons it's so smooth is we use an organic wheat as the as the base for it. It's uh, which is then you know distilled to a super high strength. It's 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 incredibly smooth. So you can def- it's definitely smooth enough to to drink neat over some ice if you fancy what to make a martini with I can't make a martini to save my life but I, I can <laughs> drink them and it's so it's really great that so first of all that kind of super smooth base lots of juniper because I love gin that tastes of gin that's why I wanted to make gin yeah. uh, we have uh, locally grown coriander so that comes from ringler just outside Lewis and that has quite a kind of citrusy I mean it struggles to this is not a natural place for it for it to grow and it has a pretty hard time with it but i think actually you can taste the effort if that's not too wanky in the yeah, yeah. in uh in the in the coriander seed at the end, it's got this kind of lemon lemony spicy note to it uh fresh lime peel fresh orange peel and those add to the smoothness and the softness again uh although they're quite a pain in the bum to do i can be upfront oh. about that using you know dried kibble would be so much easier, but but actually, there's there's something about that the f- the freshness uh-huh. uh, that comes across really really beautifully. Uh, there's some milk thistle in there, so if you've ever taken milk thistle as a prophylaxis against hangover or to uh, to aid your digestion. Or, or liver it's there i am making no health claims about this <laughs> drink whatsoever but it's more like a nod of apology i think actually rather than the, rather than a health tonic uh and then finally there's some um, angelica in there as well just to kind of hold everything together and slight sweetness at, at the bottom um so yeah expect, expect something that's smooth it's got quite a classic profile with juniper first and then citrus afterwards lush
1: nice Okay, well listen, I'm thinking about time because you've probably got loads to do. Um At the and point honestly, of
2: stop talking, woman. No,
1: honestly, I, I could have I, I could chat forever. Do you know? I'm just really conscious. My last podcast that I've just edited is two hours, and I'm thinking our listeners going to hang in there. I hope so. Um so anyway, we'll wait and see. But what I was thinking about was a couple of things, just some fun stuff uh, in a wee sec, but I was just gonna ask what what's next for you? You know, what what's what's next for you in Brighton Gin?
2: hmm so we're uh we've recently over the last year we've moved into into uh bigger premises which we're trying to show people around more we've got our gin school launched there as well so you can come and make your make your own gin and have that really kind of hands-on thing so you can make what you want to 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 drink we can give you some guidance or you can freestyle but that's a that's the thing that we're those kind of experiences uh, where are trying to do lots of we i really want to make sure that we're out engaging as much as possible with our our local community brighton and hove and then wider sussex from that and then at the other end of the scale looking at export and how how far and where can we can we get uh can we get brighton gin to we've seen some social media evidence of our first bottles arriving in tokyo like that would be cool
1: Oh, go on fantastic
2: and we just want to get brighton gin absolutely out as far and wide as possible but stay really really true to our founding principles and we want to be keep just keep being authentic it says Brighton gin on the bottle it should be made loved and drunk in in brighton
1: also, I've got a GV idea I'll talk to you later about, which is um, Brighton Buckfast, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Amazing. Just I've, made, I've made a whole variety of other of other products and things over over the years. We've never released. They just haven't been. They've just never been good enough. Yeah, and um. And actually, I found it very hard to focus on to to you know stay in my lane and and focus on things. I get very excited about this. I like this, that love flavor, fermentation. <sighs> but and actually, the thing of trying to do a couple of things really well uh, has been very hard to 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 focus on. But that's what I want to keep want to keep doing. I've got an amazing amazing team. Who I should shout out to. Although there's there's only a few of us. Like I say, there's only only seven of us not a scientist amongst us everyone's got an art background <laughs> uh and paul the distiller used to be ballerina which i think is fantastic surely there's only <laughs> one of those in the world ballerina turned turn distiller but uh, but i love that that means that there's a people approach everything gin shaped. but there's a, a very creative approach to what we do we're yeah. so hamstrung by not having enough indeed any cash but the creativity is there throughout everything with the team
1: that's great. No, the team did a great job. And I can't believe it's seven. That's mental. Um, so a couple of fun things then. Um, so favourite city to eat in? This might be a loaded question. Um, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, do you know, I've, I've oh, depends on the day of the week that you, that you asked me, but actually I'm going to go Sydney because i think whatever the, you could what an amazing place it's been so positively influenced by migration and immigration incredible flavours from from around the the planet uh made by by people whose heritage that that is so yeah whatever cuisine you fancy you can find it there and made brilliantly sunshine helps as well
1: fantastic no it is it's a great place it's a great place and then favourite hotel
2: it's impossible to, a- to answer, really. It might have to be one of the Brighton ones that I've had naughty times in, but I can't name them.
1: <laughs> Does it begin with a P? <laughs>
2: I'm
1: looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've had great times in that particular place.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun hotel. Um, okay, we'll leave that one. Um, so, you a favourite coffee shop are you frequent?
2: Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Am I allowed to mention that? It's the yeah. old Compton Street... Cafe on Old Compton Street, used ah. to be 20, 24 hours a day, around the corner from Bar Italia. I was
1: going to say Bar Italia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. great. I
2: don't, yeah.
1: I must have seen it. Is that yeah, what yeah. is it now? Is it's it Cafe Nero or something?
2: Balance or something.
1: All Balance. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I used to love it. You get incredibly surly service from a beautiful <laughs> waiter 24 hours a day.
1: Fantastic. Ah, that's cool. I used long to. Long. I, was always in Italia. yeah. Usually that was my wee treat, a wee Baritalia in the morning.
2: It's a thing I wish Brighton had, actually. I wish Brighton had an equivalent to Baritalia where you could go and, you know, hang out and have a a coffee at four in the morning. Don't necessarily have to be booze-focused, but full of all of the interesting people of the night coming through.
1: Yeah, well we used to go there, we, I used to be at Bartley Card years ago and we used to go there at night because it was kind of the only place that was open and the, the music was on and you went in and yeah, just like loads of folk getting off with bartenders and all yeah, this, it was exactly. just like madness. I used to, yeah. used
2: to go in there and drink drink coffee waiting for the trains to Oxford to start again before I could go home, so yeah, <laughs> it has a, has a place in my heart, definitely.
1: Um, And then what about favourite bar or pub?
2: Pub has to be the Bedford Tavern. Uh, on grounds of the incredible people who, who work there, talk about a place that's made by the team. Um, it's, it's almost immaterial, actually, what they serve from behind the bar, because the people make it just fabulous.
1: And favourite restaurant?
2: Just around the corner from Bedford, actually, it's going to be the Ginger Man. I just adore. <gasps> I've just adored, I've adored since day one. Or, if somebody else is taking me in, it's a treat. treat, uh, Sheikis. In London town.
1: Oh yes, very good. They're both nice. very,
2: they're both treaty places, definitely.
1: Yeah, I Ben and Pam were at the um, the awards, you know, and you yeah. uh, and just um, that that runs the awards, you, you know, he just mercilessly rips it out of Ben, you know, every every possible yeah. opportunity. Um, but no, they they picked up a few awards actually. So yeah, and also it's quite sweet with the Ginger Group that. So many of the great restaurants that we've got now came through their school, if you like, you know, and uh, were taught by them. It's, yeah, it's just quite definitely. a lovely thing.
2: And also, and I really love that the the original Ginger Man, which is just off Norfolk Square, if, if, if you don't know, is you know, I love that it's still there. It's still going. It's got about four covers in it. It must be a nightmare for the to run, but I love that it's still there and making amazing, amazing stuff. Definitely, yeah. But yeah. It's a proper treat. And they do a great Brighton Gin Mini Martini as well.
1: Ooh nice and then how can people find out about you
2: um I would love people to to get in touch or follow us and come and get involved our website is brightongin.com where you can actually see the team you can see our gin and stuff and you can also see what we're up to we do loads of events and bits and bobs and you can find out about all our community stuff that that we do uh, you can find us on instagram it's brighton gin instagram or i'm brighton gin instagram cathy and uh on and if twitter's your thing which i th- think it still is for a, for a, for a few things yeah hours, I still thinking, love twitter yeah on it's going through it's some interesting times mm. but i'm still still there so there uh, i'm just cathy caton or, um, or Brighton Gin and one of the things actually is that again, our team, we run all of our socials and stuff ourselves, so on Twitter you'll talk to me and on uh, Instagram you'll talk to Charlie, unless we're swapping swapping over because someone's trying to have, <laughs> have a day
0: off <laughs> so. And also,
1: and also we, we haven't gone through questions about talking about Brighton Pride, talking about your Pride bottles uh, how much fun they were, talking about LGBTQ plus things, um, but We'll have a part two, I'm sure, and we can we can nip through a lot of that stuff as well. Maybe maybe we could do it at Pride or around Pride time.
2: Fantastic, so dangerous and brilliant. brilliant. Yes, please.
1: Well, just just as something naughty at the end, but maybe some listeners might be off now. But um, <laughs> I remember my very first Pride that I went to went along, and uh, and I'm a big guy. Was this big guy that I saw was was on one of the trailers, and he has a a vest on, you know, and he's a big bear sort of guy, you know. And his t shirt says, Rimming is slimming. <laughs> <laughs> and that was brilliant. the fu- that was my first experience of Brighton Pride. <laughs> I just thought this is brilliant. Oh, uh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs>
2: fantastic. Excellent.
1: <laughs> so on that note, I'll leave it. <laughs> um so yeah, no, we'll look forward to Pride this year. I'm really excited. But if I've got tickets for Fabuloso this year, so oh, I don't brilliant. quite know who's playing yet, but um, I don't know who's who's on, but oh, yeah, so you have got uh, yeah,
2: you've got Black Eyed Peas on the Saturday, and you've got Mel-, Mel C and Steps on the Sundays.
1: So Black Eyed Peas, yeah, oh, all right, great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Magic. All right, cool. Well, listen, have a lovely rest of the day. It's been so nice to spend time with you, and um. We'll bump into each other soon, I'm sure, and I'll let you know when this is up. You can have a wee listen and a wee plug of it and all the rest of it. But thank I just...
2: you so much. I haven't given you too much of a of a terrible terrible editing job. I tried to keep my my um. Swearing to a minimum. No, it's fine. Not yeah, even like, one wanky. I'll,
1: I'll just, and one it in one So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll just uh, I'll just tick the explicit box. It's fine. Um, and uh, and yeah, just thanks. so much. And I'm just so pleased for you. So you know, it's great. It's just great to see. And um, yeah, a global brand from We Brighton. Oh, uh,
2: we're trying. We're trying our very 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 best. You know, it's tough times out there at the moment. There are craft breweries and distilleries, sadly, going to the wall every day. But you know we're out fighting the fighting the good fight, and you know I would encourage everyone to to think global and drink local and choose your Brighton gin.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Here, here. Okay, thanks so much, Kathy. We'll catch up soon.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, Mark. Cheers. Bye. Cheerio.
1: So there we go—an absolute love fest for Brighton. And I really hope that you enjoyed the episode. It really is just a special place and it can only be one of these places that comes up with entrepreneurs like Kathy. I wish her well, she'll go from strength to strength and I'm really looking forward to her having 17 members of staff, 100 members of staff, 1000 members of staff and I'm really, really excited to see what she does next. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's Vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.